Julia is here. For those of you with children, want to go back and get your Bible bags. The rest of us, we're going to take our Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15, the first of the epistles of Paul. It's considered kind of a whole seminary education all in one book. A great, great uh, epistle right after the book of Acts and the Gospels. <coughs> We're going to start with verse 4 in just a moment. One of the prophecies that Isaiah made 700 years ago, we read earlier in the worship service, it's that a shoot would come up from a stump of Jesse, and from this root underneath the stump, a branch will bear fruit. Now that's a, a very fascinating imagery. It's captured our imagination now for 2,700 years. A stump, uh, just think about what that is. It's a damaged, has-been tree. There's no life there. No one expects there to be any life. And yet a sprout, a branch, a fruit-bearing branch will sprout from that stump into a whole new tree, a tree that will be even greater than the original tree, a tree that will provide shelter not only for the original owner of the tree, but for the entire ethnic groups of the world as well. Now what is fascinating about this prophecy is that it explains that not only God works that way in history, taking that which was dead and was gone and the nation of Israel did not exist. It was dispersed throughout the world and brings them home and begins to plant new life in them. But it's the same way with you and with me. God takes those things in our lives that have gotten so dead and so lost that we think there's no hope for that. And yet God brings hope even into the midst, as we heard the testimony from Tracy, into prison, into hospitals, into broken marriages and broken lives. God brings his presence and begins to plant seeds of fruit that begin to bear within our lives. And we not only live a life that is great, but a life that is far more abundant than the original life that we lived, that we died to, and that created the stump. The promise of Advent and the promise of Scripture is, in fact, that it wasn't just the nation of Israel that God loved. From the very beginning, the promise given to Abraham is that it was through these people that he would teach humanity what it is to love God and to love others, and that out of the loss of that and the ineffectiveness of that and the inability of that, he would give life that would grow even larger such that all the nations of the world would come to know him and serve him. And so it's an amazing analogy uh, that Isaiah gives us. And so Paul, of course, grabs hold of that in the book of Romans. So let's look at that, chapter 15, verses 4 through 13 of Romans. Paul writes, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. 
For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles, I will sing the praises of your name. Again, it says, Rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up, one who will rise to rule over the nations. In him the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now keep that open before you. and Let's pray. Father, we recognize that when we gather here at the end of 2013, we're gathering as people have gathered for literally thousands of years. We've heard the promise. We're seeing the fulfillment. We experience your presence. We're a part of a great rebirth of life and we recognize that each of us get to be a part of that if we so choose and so we want to lift up our world today we want to lift up ourselves today we want to lift up our loved ones today allow this to be a time in which we truly receive this life in all of its abundant new life and we'll give you all the praise in Jesus name amen I like the way one scholar described this analogy of the rooted stump, which produces new life. He called it strengthened by scripture, sustained by hope. Strengthened by scripture, sustained by hope. Look again at how Paul says it in verse 14. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. Now, the scriptures, of course, are the roots of the stump. Now, if we look only at the surface of a stump, we don't see what is possible beneath the surface as we see this great promise and root system and power that God has placed within the world and within your life and within mine. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Now think about that. Long before Jesus was born, there was a mighty kingdom that came through the lineage of the ancestry of Jesse. Jesse is the father of the King David. He's the grandfather of King Solomon, the greatest kings that ever lived in the Israelite nation. But as history tells us, that great kingdom was cut down about 300 years after Isaiah gives this prophecy. For 400 years, there was no life in the stump. But then it sprouted just like Isaiah said it would 700 years earlier. But this time, the life that is growing from the stump, from the roots that God has placed within the world, is something that's far greater than just a tree of life for the Israelite nation, a God of Israel. It is now a God of the whole world, a life that is intended for the Gentiles to experience. 
The word we translate Gentile is the Greek word ethnos. We get our English word ethnic from that. Ethnos refers to all the various ethnicities of humanity throughout all the world. If you're not a descendant of Abraham, if you're not Jewish, then you are an ethnos. You're an ethnic. You are a Gentile. Now think about that. The root beneath the stump originally gave life to a tree for one group of people, those who descended from Abraham. But now the tree grows a branch. Out of that stump is growing something that is so much greater than the original tree that all the nations, all the ethnic groups, all the various uh, descriptions of humanity are now under the shade and under the fruit of that fruit-bearing branch. The tree that grows now grows through Jesus Christ and what he has done. Paul explains it this way in verse 7. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promise made to the patriarchs, go back and read that whole section as he calls Abraham to come to this promised land, so that the promise made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover that the ethnos, the Gentiles, might glorify God for his mercy. Now that unity comes from a unified root that nourishes all of humanity. And when all of humanity is nourished by the love of God, it brings us together in a way that transcends the problems we're having in which we kill people just because they are a them and they're different from us and they define themselves in different nationalistic categories and we have different uh, ways of life. Earlier in, in Romans, Paul has already used this analogy of the tree. And he says that we are a part of a root system that is holy. And so the branches are holy. And then he says, though you are a wild olive graft, a wild olive shoot, you have been grafted in among all the others and now share in the nourishing sap of that olive root. And do not consider yourself to be superior then to the other branches. We're all supported by the root. We do not give life to the root. The root gives life to us. And it's by that root of God that each of us grow. Now it's obvious that Jesus, as a descendant of Jesse through David, is the fulfillment of the original purpose of the roots that God planted through Abraham. But the purpose of his coming is that we might have life and have it abundantly throughout all the world, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing and teaching them. But for you and me to be a part of that wonderful life, we have to choose to be grafted into that root, to connect ourselves to Jesus Christ directly and to be nourished by the truth of scripture that gives us a way of life in which we can live to abundance in all the peace that he promises. And that reading that we did earlier of everything lying down with everything else in a perfect, peaceful world 
That's the intention of God originally, and that's the intention to which we're all headed. So I want to take just a moment, I want to take that truth that we see, and I want to apply it to history, and then I want to apply it to ourselves. I'm not, not sure that you know and that there has never been a time in history in which there are more people coming to faith in Jesus Christ than in our lifetime. It has been a tremendous and unbelievable evangelistic uprising throughout the world. The ethnic groups are coming to be a part of the Christian root system like never before in human history. The last hundred years have been significant beyond any description. Today, one out of every three people on the planet are Christians, followers of Jesus Christ. In the last 100 years, there's been a dramatic shift in the ethnic focus of who we are as Christians. For example, in 1910, 66% of all Christians lived in Europe. 27% lived in the Americas and mostly in North America. The whole rest of the world comprised only a little more than 6% of Christendom. Today, only 100 years later, in the latest figures we have of 2010, it has expanded so dramatically and there are people coming to faith in so exponential ways that in 2010, only 26% of Christians now live in Europe. 37% live in the Americas with South America catching up to the North. We have an Argentinian Pope of the Church of Rome. The 6% in 1910 has now become over 40% with 24% in Africa and 13% in the Asia Pacific countries. Now as you can see, we're quickly coming to the place, and I think we will within the next 50 years, where we are equally defined by all the continents of all the races, of all the ethnic groups, and that is who a Christian is. And they define it in such a way that it's bringing ethnic vitality to this root system that God created that would bring about peace and bring about unity among all the peoples of the world. But it's even more pronounced than just the nations coming to God. In any local church that you now have, the modern church of the nations is increasingly multi-ethnic, multicultural, multilingual, multi-generational, even within the individual congregations in which we live. The church comprises this full expression of God's nourishing love in Jesus Christ, such that the uniqueness of each part is needed for the identifiability of the whole. To speak of the Church of Jesus Christ is to speak globally of every ethnic group, and it will only become increasingly so in the days to come. Paul said it this way in verse 12, and again Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will rise to rule over the nations. In him, the ethnos will rejoice and we'll have hope. Today in the decades to come, our global church is going to change so dramatically that it is going to be difficult to even begin to define in any kind of nationalistic terms what it means for a person to be a follower of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of heaven will begin to resemble that 
uh, kingdom that we see in heaven itself, where there will be a great multitude that no one can count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, and they will stand before the throne and before the Lamb. Now that means for you and for me that we need to be welcoming all people for we are all one with everyone. And we need to go out of our ways <laughs> to get to know all the ethnic groups in Santa Barbara, who they are, why they think as they do, how can we love them and care for them, how can we connect them to the branch of Jesus Christ and the fruit that he gives, as well as nourished by the truth of scripture, by this wonderful root system that is given so that we might have love of God and love of others and that we might find ways to resolve conflict in truly lasting ways, both interpersonally and internationally. But now, it's not only in the nations that God speaks this message, it's to you and to me. It's speaking to us in very individual terms. This ethnic vitality of the root of Jesse is also a very personal vitality in the branch of Jesus Christ. In the questions of baptisms and what we ask our members to affirm, the first two questions speak not only of our faith in Jesus Christ, that's what defines us as Christ ones, but also our belief in the unique inspiration of this root system of the scriptures themselves that this root system that nourishes us is unique within all the world and that there is nothing like it. I always encourage people, if you want to read the great religious scriptures of the world, do so and lay them side by side with the unique inspiration of scripture. To use the analogy of Isaiah, what we're really asking is, have you been grafted onto the branch of Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the sprout of the stump of Jesse. Is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? Are you getting your life and your fruit from him? Do you connect with him every day? Do you not allow anything to distract you from that connection? Is prayer and study and worship a part of who you are? And are you experiencing that life? Are you being rooted and established in God's love? such that you are placing your hope and your future in him. Paul ends this whole section by saying, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Does that define who you are in this amazing changing world where God's peace is becoming known? Let's spend time with him.